Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Cyber Third Quarter Fiscal 2020 Earnings Conference Call. All participants will be in the listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star, then one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your questions, please press star and two. Please note that this event is being recorded. I now hand the conference over to Jinjin Chen. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us on Cyber's earnings conference call for the third quarter ended September 30th. 2020. Please note that this call is being webcast on the investor relations section of the company's website. Full details about results and additional management commentary are available in our shareholder letter, which can be found on the investors relations section of our website at investors.fiber.com. Joining me today on the call are Miha Kaufman, founder and CEO, and Ofakat, CFO. Before we start, I'd like to remind you that certain matters discussed today are forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties relating to future events and or the future financial performance of cyber. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in those forward-looking statements. Additional information that could cause actual results to differ from forward-looking statements can be found in cyber's periodic public filings with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission including those factors discussed under the risk factors section in Fiber 20F filed with the SEC. The forward-looking statements in this conference call are based on the current expectations as of today, and Fiber assumes no obligation to update or revise them, whether as a result of new developments or otherwise. And now, I'll turn the call over to Miha. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the call today. We are excited to deliver another quarter of record-setting growth as revenue, active buyers, and spend per buyer all further accelerated from the prior quarter. Revenue grew 88% year-over-year. Active buyers grew 37% year-over-year to over 3.1 million, and spend per buyer increased 20% year-over-year to $195. Our success underscores the tremendous growth potential of our business. This is supported by a large and mainly untapped addressable global market, our strong business model that's highly efficient and scalable, as well as industry tailwinds towards remote work and digital transformation. The velocity of our growth matters, but it's the quality of our buyers and the efficiency of how we attract those buyers that gives us confidence in driving long-term sustainable growth in the business. Spend per buyer jumped $11 sequentially from Q2 to Q3, the largest quarter-over-quarter improvement we have experienced, even as we've added over 310,000 new buyers during the quarter. High-value buyers, those who spend over $500 annually, now represent over 57% of core market-based revenue, up from over 55% in Q2 2020. We saw a strong increase in spend per buyer across all our annual cohorts, as buyer spend level remained elevated 
since the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. We are further encouraged by our Q2 2020 cohort that reached a cumulative ROI of 1.5x after only two quarters, which is slightly ahead of a typical cohort. This gives us confidence in the quality of the new buyers that we are attracting since the outbreak of COVID-19, as well as confidence to continue investing aggressively in marketing. Strong momentum in both organic and pay channels continued in Q3. We continued to drive the majority of our new business from organic channels, and TROI for performance marketing remained above 1x for the quarter. Our brand investments continue to pay off, as seen by our Google brand traffic that has more than doubled year over year. The perception of Fiverr as the leading voice in digital services and remote work is also gaining momentum. We are very excited to launch an evolution of Fiverr's brand identity during the quarter with a new look and feel to our logo, fonts, color, and a new brand language. We continue to place our community of buyers and sellers at the heart of our brand. And with the new branding, we strive to be even more inclusive as we grow our marketplace, to be increasingly seen as a strategic partner for businesses of all sizes to go digital, and to be more socially responsible as we spearhead the change in the future of work. Brand remains a key investment area for us going forward. Over the last few months, we have continued to make exciting progress towards our key strategic initiative, that is going up market, international expansion, and expanding promoted gigs. Fiverr Business was officially launched in September after running a beta with selected partners. We introduced a brand new onboarding flow and started to make top of funnel marketing investment in both awareness and acquisition. One of the major value propositions for Fiverr Business is to allow us to land more buyers with our initial touch points within larger organizations, and we are encouraged by the fact that nearly 50% of new registrations so far have invited other members to join their Fiverr Business accounts. We're also launching a new user experience to allow buyers and sellers to break large projects into milestones or incremental steps. Not only do these features enable sellers to receive payments for their work faster, but it also gives buyers more flexibility in purchasing, especially when it comes to large ticket size items and when they are buying from a new seller that they've never worked before. We are also introducing features that will allow buyers to make recurring purchases. These are especially relevant when it comes to ongoing digital investments such as SEO or content marketing. You can expect us to continue rolling out products like these for both buyers and sellers as we continue to move up market. In Q3, we continued to execute on international expansion. Our sixth non-English website was introduced in Portuguese, allowing us to expand our country presence into Portugal and Brazil. We also integrated 
with a local payment solution provider in Brazil to streamline the local payment experience. On the marketing front, we continue to ramp up our performance marketing infrastructure across international regions, expanded our affiliate program in Germany and France, and added localized affiliate dashboards in five languages. What we see is that affiliate programs work extremely well in the international market in a similar way to the U.S. market in terms of efficiency and scalability. Last but not least, an update on promoted gigs. Promoted gigs now cover 60 categories. This is significant step up from 15 categories since Q2 2020. We can now see ad listing not only on category pages for those 60 categories, but also nearly 10,000 search queries that are associated with those categories. In addition, we deployed open enrollment for sellers in those categories as long as they meet the published quality criteria. As a result, monthly active sellers in the program grew to over 5,000 at the end of September, a significant increase from just under 200 at the end of June. 2020 has certainly been an eventful and highly productive year at Fiverr. Over the past 10 years, we have built the world's largest market base for freelancers with a proprietary digital service catalog, a sophisticated matching quality and liquidity engine powered by a decade of transaction data, a highly efficient and scalable marketing infrastructure, a global brand, and a global community with millions of buyers and sellers. These allowed us to execute and grow with tremendous momentum in 2020 and expand our leadership position during a time when businesses and freelancers needed us the most in terms of digital transformation and income opportunities. We are excited to be in a position to finish out the year strong and even more excited about what lies ahead in 2021. We are currently developing our 2021 roadmap, and as we deepen our efforts in bold strategic areas and plan towards many others, we expect to continue our momentum into next year and set ourselves up for a great 2021 and beyond. With that, I'm going to turn the call over to Offer, who will share a few financial highlights with you. Offer? Thank you, Micha, and good morning, everyone. As Micha mentioned, we are happy to deliver another quarter of outstanding results. In the third quarter, revenue grew 88% year-over-year to 52.3 million, an acceleration from 82% year-over-year growth in Q2, as our disciplined investment in products and marketing continue to help us capitalize on the industry tailwind. Adjusted EBITDA was 4.2 million, representing adjusted EBITDA margin of 8%, an expansion from 6.7% in Q2. We were able to continue investing aggressively in present marketing to support growth and at the same time maintain high levels of discipline and efficiency. I'd like to share some more details on the underlying driver for revenue growth. Active buyer grew 37% year over year to over 3.1 million as a momentum for both organics and pay channel from Q2 continued into Q3. We saw a modest rebound of the overall performance marketing environment during the quarter, but still very attractive compared to pre-COVID-19 levels. 
As a result, PROI for the quarter remains at slightly above 1x. Looking ahead, we expect the windows for marketing investment to remain open for the rest of the year. In addition, we plan to continue investing in brand and brand campaigns. As Micha mentioned, we have seen continued growth and value in investing in our brand. This is manifested in both organic traffic and overall brand perception. Looking ahead to 2021, we expect significant investment in brand campaigns in Q1 to continue building on top of our momentum in 2020. Center Buyer experienced one of the strongest quarter over quarter grains in Q3. This was driven by strong cohort behavior across the board. As mentioned last quarter, all annual cohorts experienced a step function increase in terms of monthly spend level, and in Q3, we see spend for all cohorts remained at this elevated level. As COVID-19 fundamentally changed how business think about and invest in digital channels, we do expect to see this spend level on our marketplace to sustain in the future. As such, we expect center buyers to continue enjoying the impact from the step-up cohort behavior until it lapses annually. Q3 take rate was 27%, similar to last quarter, and we expect it to remain consistent with the, with the potential to grow in the long run as we continue to make progress on value-added services offering in our pipeline. Looking ahead, we are raising revenue guidance for full year 2020 to the range of 186 to 187 million, up from our prior guidance of 177.5 to 179.5 million. The updated revenue guidance represents 2020 revenue growth of 74 to 75%. We expect full year adjusted EBITDA to be in the range of 8.5 to 9 million, up from prior guidance of 4.5 to 6.5 million. For Q4, revenue is expected to be 52.4 to 53.4 million, representing year over year growth of 77 to 81%. Adjusted EBITDA is expected to be 4 to 4.5 million, representing 8% of adjusted EBITDA margin at midpoint. I'd like to point out, point out few considerations regarding our adjusted EBITDA trend going forward. First, revenue growth continues to be our top priority, and we will not shy away from investments that help us increase market share and continue to grow aggressively. Second, while we expect to continue drive, driving adjusted EBITDA efficiency on an annual level, there will be fluctuations from quarter to quarter. Typically, Q4 is seasonally strong quarter for EBITDA margin, followed by Q1 typically weaker quarter for EBITDA margin as we invest for the rest of the year. In addition to strong financial results, we are also very pleased to close our first convertible bond transaction a few weeks ago. We raised 460 million, including Greenshoe, that is priced at 0% coupon and a 40% convertible premium. This raise provides us with additional liquidity for organic growth and opportunistic acquisition. We will continue to be prudent with capital by investing efficiently to grow the business while generating operating leverage towards our long-term operating model. With that, 
I will now turn the call over to the operator for questions. Operator? Thank you very much, sir. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily for our roster to assemble. The first question is from the line of Ron Jose from JMP Securities. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks for taking the call and, and great quarter once again. You know, maybe, Mikhail, I wanted to, to touch to start off with a more of a higher level question just to get a better understanding of demand. And I really appreciated the, um, the example you used of, of a business called Rooted in the letter and, and the increase in spend that they saw just with the transformation of their business going digital. Can you just talk about um, maybe how you're seeing businesses are increasingly adopting Fiverr, and as you get over the initial hump of going digital, maybe how Rooted and others are, are using or leveraging Fiverr services more and more. So in other words, looking to see as you get over the hump, um, just increasing use of the platform. And then um, I'm sure you'll get questions on promoting gigs and Fiverr business, but um, maybe, Ofer, you just mentioned the recent convert raise and the balance sheet is a lot stronger. Can you just talk about M&A plans here or just how you plan to use the capital? Thank you very much. Great quarter. Thanks so much, Ron. Um, I'll start with the, the first question. So, you know, our, our uh, long view on what's going on right now is that the past decade, that that started with 2010 when we uh, 2010 when we started was a decade of uh, you know freelancing becoming mainstream. We think that this decade that that started with 2020 is going to be the decade in which businesses are going to figure out how to integrate freelancers into their workflows. And Fiverr Businesses is exactly designed to do that. So what we're seeing is we're seeing smaller businesses continue to work on an increasing pace using freelancers to uh, get themselves off the ground as they start the business. And the more mature businesses are figuring out how to integrate those freelancers into their existing workflows. For some, this is, you know, you can create your entire marketing team on Fiverr, or if you have a marketing team of your own, you can use freelancers to augment to that team and you can scale it up or down as needed. And I think that, you know, the, the pandemic just underlined the necessity of being very efficient as you plan your, your budgeting. And I think that using uh, our platform allows that level of flexibility, using freelancers as a variable expense that you can scale up or down um, as you go. And, and that example, the, the examples that we're starting to give are exactly those examples. Now, when you think about those customers, those are customers with a larger wallet, um, obviously, and the way they, they integrate or use uh, freelancers is larger. And we want to make sure that we provide the tools to allow them to do that. And what we've seen from the initial launch, and, and again, this is a, a brand new uh, product, what we've seen from the launch of Fiverr Business is that they're doing exactly that, which means that 
more of the company, more of the team is actually using the platform. It's not just individuals within the team. It's actually teams, and they're working together on projects. So they're, they're taking or they're making benefit of all of the functionalities that we've included. And this is, uh, this is obviously uh, very encouraging. Um, it's very early uh, days in that cycle, um, but we're, we're really, uh, uh, really happy with it. And, and lastly, what I would say is that, you know, we've alluded to our investment in recurring services as well. So as, as businesses go, um, go digital, they start investing in uh, the types of services that are recurring by nature, like content marketing, SEO, and so forth. And, and we, we want to make sure that they can do that very efficiently um, and, and easily on our platform. In terms of uh, Ron, in terms of uh, um, cash and, and M and A, there's no, uh, there's nothing to note at this point in terms of uh, specific uh, targets or acquisition yet to be said. Uh, there are a few areas uh, that could be interesting for us, uh, including uh, going up market, vertical extension, um, uh, international uh, extension. So that uh, we are we are looking uh, closely and and monitoring um, uh, many many companies and uh, vertical players uh, in this market, uh, seeking for 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 the right uh, syndicate for us to to, uh, to to acquire. But as as said at the beginning, uh, at this point there's nothing specific uh, to note. Okay, thank you, Mika. Thank you, Ofer. Thank you, Ron. Thank you very much. The next question is from the line of Jason Helstein from Oppenheimer. Please go ahead. Thanks. Um, I'll ask too. So um, when you annualize the sequential increase in spend per buyer, that was obviously very impressive. Um, are there sub-segments uh, sub or areas growing faster than the average? Um, you, did, you did talk about the impact of teams, but I'm not sure that that really was a driver this quarter. But any other insights you can share? And then when you think about next year, between Fiverr business, expanding the gig catalog, promoted gigs, and expanding the geographic footprint, um, what do you think could have the most um, um, outsized impact on revenue growth next year? Thank you. So in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the, the first part of the question on the Spencer bio, um, so yes, it is very impressive, and it's actually growing uh, faster than, than planned, and this is coming in period where the active buyer is growing by 37% year over year, which is which is which is even a bigger challenge for us uh, to increase the spend per buyer at such a rate. So it, it doesn't come from a specific segment. I think all segments, all verticals, uh, well perform uh, since the beginning of, of the year. Uh, it goes to 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 all verticals and, and subcategories, and it also goes to uh, to most of the territories. Um, I, I would say that the center buyer is, is not growing uh, by itself. It's a long-term effort that starts all the way from, from quality uh, to product initiatives that enables buyer and sellers to, uh, to engage, engage further in more complex transactions. And, and it also goes to our focus on high-value buyers. Um, I, I will I will summarize that you know the, 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 the sentence by mentioning that 
central buyer is growing not only because of the single transaction, the ASP, it also grows uh, because of the frequency. Uh, and I think that uh, we believe this central buyer is, is sustainable and we have much room uh, to grow in the future as we go up market and, and as we invest both in products uh, and in marketing uh, to, to attract uh, and serve bigger organizations. Um, Jason, uh, as to your uh, second part of the question, I think that I would, I would probably divide um, the investment that we're making into uh, those who we think are strategic long-term and, and those who are um, giving us uh, a quicker yield. Um, so fiber business, promoted gigs, and localizations are long-term initiatives that are highly strategic to our business. Um, and, and we've been demonstrating that the investment in each one of them has, has been increasingly contributing to our business, but it's a long play, and that's our, uh, that was our intention from the get-go. Um, in terms of how we think about catalog expansion, the investment that we're doing in, in marketing and uh, the functionality that we add to our, uh, to our marketplace, these are investments that are giving uh, a slightly shorter uh, or, or quicker impact. But the plan is to continue working on all of these because we, we think that this is why we've been able to demonstrate the investment that we've done in each of these um, uh, growth drivers have been contributing to the fact that we've been able to uh, switch into such a high growth. Uh, so that's, that's the plan now moving forward. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next question is on the line of Doug. Anmut from J.P. Morgan, please go ahead. Great. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I, too, uh, first, guys, was hoping you could just elaborate on the comment on the 2Q cohort, um, showing slightly better quality versus historical cohorts. Can you just talk a little bit about that, um, how you're thinking about them uh, versus previous cohorts? And then, secondly, on um, promoted gigs, just curious where you think you are in terms of awareness um, among uh, you know, among among sellers, and uh, how should we think about some of the early impact or revenue? Uh, you know, take rate was up, I think, 40 bips uh, year over year, and then flat sequentially. Um, just any any thoughts on kind of contribution there over a longer term period? Thanks. Uh, good morning, Doug, and thanks for the question. Um, so, so our comment on 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 Q2 and, and actually. You know the Q, the Q2 behavior of cohorts have been have been moving into Q3. What we've seen, and, and this is obviously very positive, is the fact that uh, the cohorts that have uh, joined us post-pandemic have been demonstrating a an even stronger than usual um, uh, uh, contribution or activity, and which which we think um, um, is a, is a testament that these are great customers that are going to stay with us. Uh, for a long time and, and, and be very high quality. The types of services that they, uh, that they purchase, the frequency in which they, they purchase, the average selling price of those services, all of them are, are uh, showing great signs. And, and this is moving into, um, into Q3, which means that this trend is, um, uh, seems to be um, sustainable. Um, 
In terms of um, uh, in, in terms of the the, the audience, uh, the audience itself, uh, you know, it, it, it looks like you know we are investing in uh, a business are investing in more into digital. Um, there are some uh, specific uh, categories that uh, perform better than other, both in uh, in, in design, programming, and tech. So this, this type of uh, this type of uh, cohort seems to have a higher lifetime value that, as Micham mentioned earlier, started uh, post-COVID, but, but uh, we're still experiencing a similar uh, behavioral pattern uh, throughout uh, Q3. Yeah, and, and as to your question about promoted gigs, uh, um, definitely the uh, open enrollment uh, uh, has made this program gain um, exposure uh, on the seller end, and you know we, we've talked about the uh, pretty uh, massive increase that we've had in uh, the sellers that are participating in that program um, since we launched it just a few a few months ago. Um, sellers are very enthusiastic about the product, um, and we, we've uh, seen very strong uh, retention in health um, in in that program, which also you know, manifest in, in, in this creating a very high uh, value for our sellers, which, which obviously attracts more sellers into the program. Um, the ability to expand it to more areas of the product has been very important in the fact that we've extended it to search. But even, um, even with that expansion, uh, this, this is just the beginning of the ability to have promoted gigs on more um, inventory, more areas of the site, and as we expand it, obviously it, it will be able to attract more sellers, and more sellers are going to be, um, you know, able to um, enjoy it. Um, in terms of the, you know, the, the overall GMV exposure um, uh, compared to the scale of our overall market base is still small, so I, I wouldn't call out any any numbers uh, or impact on on PNL. Uh, at, at this point, uh, but we're very happy with this program. Great. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one at this time. The next question is from the line of Nick Jones from City. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks for uh, taking my questions. Uh, I guess first, just uh, can, can you maybe talk about the opportunity for the subscription uh, business? Uh, you know, what kind of other projects are, are people looking to make recurring, you know, outside of SEO or, or content marketing? And then the second question, I guess, uh, on Fiverr business, um, how, you know, how, how should we think about this longer term uh, in terms of uh, – Contribution to take rate, you know, I guess as, as, um, you know, order prices go up, does take rate have to go down and is this countered by promoted listings? I guess how can we think about this as kind of volume and spend increases over time, I guess, as, as you see success in cyber business? Uh, thanks. Thanks, uh, Nick. Good morning. Um, as, as to the, uh, the first question, uh, we think that there is – you're right to point out that there are recurring uh, uh, services or subscription services that are relevant for buyers. 
We, we also think that there are opportunities to offer subscription services for our sellers um, to extend their offering and to um, allow them to expand their business. Um, I think it's slightly um, early uh, for us to discuss this, uh, but we're very enthusiastic about this, and, and our, our roadmap is, is full of uh, these types of initiatives um, that we think would uh, create the basis uh, for such a subscription uh, uh, opportunity. As to your question about uh, uh, fiber business, um, you, you know, I think that um, um, it, it's an environment that is built on top of our existing market base. Um, we don't have any um, intention to change the transaction structure that we have today. Um, obviously, in the, in the market base today, we have uh, transactions that go between the tens of dollars and the tens of thousands of dollars. Um, the, the business model, the transaction structure um, is similar uh, for all of these types of services. And, and so we don't have any um, intention of, of changing it at the moment. Great. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Brad Erickson from Needham & Company. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. Uh, I guess first, just on the TROI commentary, that was obviously positive. Over, can you give us some insight on your formulas, the kind of how you manage the business relative to the TROI metric, meaning, you know, could we see it return to normal levels over time, reflecting a more aggressive reinvestment of profits in buyer acquisition, or are you finding, you know, you're reinvesting the upside as kind of fast as you possibly can at this point, and so the levels might be sort of a new normal at this point? Just any, any color there. Uh, good morning, Brad, and, and thank you for the question. I will, I will start by saying that the, the TRI by itself is an indication it's not a target. Uh, the three months uh, is the result of uh, very uh, sophisticated and aggressive um, marketing strategy that we are managing and monitoring closely on a daily on a daily basis for for, for many quarters, uh, and it ends up with us being able to expand the investment uh, significantly quarter over quarter. You know, not only this year, but if it goes back to the last few years, while. Um, and maintaining and improving uh, the return on investment uh, for the uh, for the new cohort. Now, that that's not uh, that's not happening by by itself. Uh, and and the way we manage it is actually by um, making sure that every dollar that we invest uh, has a, a positive lifetime value to to cut on on the long term and is as efficient as possible comparing all other, uh, other alternatives. Over time, we've been able to open more channels um, um, in terms of, um, uh, in terms of uh, media channels, uh, in terms of uh, geography uh, expansion uh, and ability, ability to invest in marketing in different regions, in different languages. And by doing uh, all that together with um, together with um, um, using the uh, expensive data that we have and collected over time, uh, we are able uh, to improve uh, and efficient the way we invest uh, and, and increasing the amount while keeping the TROI as efficient as you've seen. 
so that uh, you know, opening more categories uh, allowed us to use more keywords um, and and expand our footprint uh, in many media channels. So that uh, the way we measure every campaign enable us to to de to decide. Uh, what the uh, what's the marginal cost of any dollar uh, uh, we invest, and we know when to stop the investment uh, because uh, in terms of uh, lifetime value to cut, it doesn't make sense anymore. So to summarize, the CROI by itself is a result; it's not the target. The target for us is to be efficient on the cost of uh, the cost of acquisition of the last buyer in terms of its uh, marginal cost, and we are able to do that by uh, a complete control on each dollar that we invest uh, over so many channels on a real-time basis. Got it. That's, that's helpful. And then just wanted to touch on Fiverr Business. Just talk about the marketing strategy there, and I guess just curious if it differs at all from some of your other, call it smaller SMB marketing in the past. Do you have to kind of target new channels or audiences for Fiverr Business? Or is it just kind of more of the same, even as you hope to get in front of you know folks working at larger organizations? Thanks. Thank you. So essentially, you know, we said when we launched Fiverr Business that our idea was not to put together a sales force. We do believe that using our existing channels, obviously with some alterations as we think about our copy strategy and how we think about. Uh, the, the usage and onboarding of potential customers into our platform, that is something that we are right now experimenting with and optimizing, and, and this is going to take time, and that's fine, um, but, it, but essentially this is very much uh, in line with the way we've engaged with, um, with any other type of customer. The onboarding process into the, into the product, the um, uh, type of uh, roles within the organizations with which we engage is slightly different, and uh, and this is you know how we built you know a lot of it is is the is the logic in which we build Fiverr Business to make sure that it engages more people from um, each organization, and what we've reported was that in fact what we're seeing from the early numbers is that at least half, if not more, of our Fiverr business customers that just joined the product are engaging with multiple accounts, which is a great sign. We don't plan to put a sales force in place in the near future. Got it. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we will take our last question now, which is from the line of Eric Sheridan from UBS, please go ahead. Thanks so much for taking the question. Maybe two if I can slip them in. Um, on geographies, I wanted to know if you could get a little bit of a sense of what you've learned from some of the new geography launches over the last couple of quarters and how that might inform your roadmap going forward in terms of launching in new geographies in 21 and beyond. Um, and the second question, you know, when you think about all the value-added services that's uh, leading to higher cake rates, and you think through some of the brand and marketing comments the company's made. How should we be thinking about revisiting long-term margin assumptions for the company? If cake rates continue to move higher, incremental revenues coming in at a high margin, you're getting higher 
ROI on your marketing spend, and also as the brand builds. Um, wanted to know if we could revisit some of the longer-term implications that that means for margins. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Eric, uh, good morning. Thanks for the question. Um, and to the first question about uh, geographical expansion, I think that what was really important for us, and we've talked about this in previous calls as well, was to put the playbook in place and to understand what does it take to to extend our penetration into new countries. And what we've noticed was that it's usually a combination of doing a number of things. It's not just limited to making sure that we translate the user interface into the local language, but it also takes, you know, taking care of um, localized payment methods and currencies and also engaging with the local community. On top of that, we're doing also brand activities uh, within those um, locales, uh, including brand activities and performance marketing activities. And what we've learned was that the combination of, of doing that and also understanding the nuances, the cultural nuances of each market allows us to um, quickly or uh, uh, have a quicker penetration um, into, these, into these countries. We have noticed that um, uh, those countries that have a slightly better command of the English language um, are countries in which we can penetrate slightly faster but even in those countries, when we have the localized site set up well, we see that on the localized site, there is uh, a slightly different or higher um, spend pattern. So these are really uh, a very interesting insights that we, we take all of these um, insights and we're um, uh, uh, integrating them into additional countries that we launched. Um, and we're very encouraged by, by, the, uh, by the numbers and, and the uh, uh, um, scale that we see uh, from the geo-expansion. And, and as I've said, th this is definitely going to be one of our uh, main strategic investments uh, for uh, the years to come. Then, uh, Eric, on the second part of the question about the services, the switch to higher take rate, and how should you think about uh, the long-term margins. Uh, so first, uh, I would start by saying there's, there's no update for the long term. The long term, um, we have reached stability ahead of uh, expectation, which actually gives us more resource to investment growth. Um, we do plan to continue the progress of long term, but uh, but growth is the number one priority. Uh, we believe there is a huge time ahead of us, and we plan to expand. Uh, our investment in awareness and market share. Uh, this is where we are focused on. Uh, yet to be said, and in terms of the take rate itself, uh, there are products in the in the pipeline that uh, we believe are going to contribute to take rate. Um, and as we've done uh, during the last few quarters, um, uh, we've been able to impact take rate and modestly grow it over time. So we believe there are some products in, in the pipeline that uh, add more tiers of services, uh, both on the buyer and the seller side, and those will contribute uh, to take rate. We believe that the gross margin of 84 is exceptionally high. Um, there is some catch-up for us to do in terms of uh, our customer support following the, the hyper growth that we have experienced during the last few quarters. 
so that uh, 84 is kind of north of where we're heading. We always promise to be north of uh, 80 percent, but uh, 84 percent is is exceptionally high. So, so it comes up, uh, you know, as a summary that the long term is not going to change. The take rate is going to grow. Uh, uh, it's only that, um, you know, we grow faster than uh, than originally. Um, a plan and arrive at profitability, but plan to use these resources to keep investing uh, and, and grow faster. Uh, Mr. Sheridan, does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Thank you very much. Um, this concludes our Q&A session. I would now like to turn the conference back to, Ms. to Mr. Mika Kaufman for any closing remarks. Over to you, sir. Um, thank you, operator. Um, we're very excited. We're very happy with the uh, results of, uh, of Q3 and, and seeing the momentum continues, and we really appreciate the time you took this morning to join us on this call. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, the conference call has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect your lines.